On this week's edition of the Pig Pen Podcast, the Redskins are still in the market for a quarterback. Rumors are swirling that Josh Rosen could eventually still make his way into D.C. Plus, we're going to do a little bit of rapid fire on Landon Collins' jersey selection, Trent Williams' health scare, the Reuben Foster situation, and the Redskins possibly grabbing another wide receiver. We got a ton to talk about today. I'm going to roll the music and let's get into it. So this is the Pig Pen Podcast. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. Took the week off last week. Not a whole lot of big Redskins news, but we are back and we got a whole lot of things uh, to talk about this week. So if this is your first time listening, follow me on Twitter at Denton underscore day. You can connect with me uh, really at all times of the day over there on Twitter. Subscribe to the Hogs Haven podcast feed on Apple and Spotify if you have not already. You can rate us over on Apple. Five stars, preferably, and maybe a nice little comment. And then, of course, if you're listening to this on the actual Hogshaven website, uh, you just leave a comment down below on what you think uh, about what I'm talking about here. So we're gonna, we're probably gonna start off here with a little bit of the rapid fire stuff. We're gonna go uh, maybe a little bit more in depth on the quarterback stuff on the back half of the podcast. This will be a little quicker today because not a whole lot of things to talk about. We're gonna touch a little bit on a bunch of different things. So we're gonna start uh, with the big Landon Collins jersey news. This was kind of a big deal. I know a lot of people were interested in what exactly Landon Collins is going to do with his jersey number. And it's a fair thing to wonder. He had um, expressed some sort of real interest in the possibility of wearing 21, which, of course, is Sean Taylor's number. Uh, For whatever reason, 21 has not been officially retired by the Redskins, which is flabbergasting really at all times um, that I think about it. I mean, how has the team not retired that number yet. I know Chantel only played four years here, but it's it's pretty much set in stone that he is a legend in terms of a Redskins history, and you would think they would have retired his number by now. They have not, which led to Landon Collins expressing interest because that was his childhood hero. Well, he has decided to go with number 20 instead in an effort to kind of, I guess, prove his worth, to, to kind of earn the number. That's a mentality that I like. I, I like where Landon Collins is coming from in this situation to to earn that number. The problem with Landon Collins trying to earn that number is how do you exactly earn that number? The legacy of Sean Taylor is going to be something that is unforgettable amongst Redskins fans old and new. If you ever watch Sean Taylor play, odds are he might be in your top five favorite players that you ever watch play. It's just the mentality that he had on the field, and he was pretty damn good at the game of football. So how do you earn that number from Landon Collins' perspective? Do you need to match some of the statistics that Sean Taylor had in, in over the course of his four seasons? Do you need to add that kind of mentality to the field? Because uh, from a mentality standpoint, that's that's an uphill battle for Landon Collins. Statistically, there's something that he could kind of, I guess, work within to earn that number. So let's real quickly look at some of the stats of Sean Taylor, and then we can kind of discuss what exactly it means to earn the number 21 from a statistic standpoint. I just want to make this clear. I don't really think he should ever wear 21, but from a statistic standpoint, how can he earn and prove that he is worth 
that number 21. So in Sean Taylor's first year, his rookie season, 76 tackles, four interceptions, and 15 passes uh, defended. In 2005, one of the better years, 70 tackles, two interceptions, and then, of course, that fumble recovery and touchdown against Philadelphia to get the Redskins into the playoffs. He also had a fumble recovery and touchdown against Tampa Bay in the first round to help the Redskins win their first and really only playoff game since, like, since Dan Snyder took over. I mean, it's really since my lifetime, really. I'm, I'm 23. That's the only playoff win I've seen the Redskins have in my lifetime. Also, 12 passes defended that year. 2006 was a big tackling year for Sean Taylor. 111 tackles, a one interception, and seven passes defended. That was probably one of the worst years the Redskins have had uh, in recent memory. Well, not in recent memory. That was definitely Joe Gibbs' worst year and the worst year that the Redskins had with Sean Taylor on the team. And then, of course, in 2007, this was kind of the turning point for him in his career. Only nine games, but five interceptions and nine passes defended in those nine games. To put that in perspective, Antonio Cromartie led the league with 10 interceptions that year. He played 16 games. Sean Taylor had multiple, had at least one, I think possibly two uh, multi-interception games that year. I know he definitely picked off two passes against Green Bay. He may have had two against Arizona, although I think that may have been just one, but he had five interceptions in that year, so he very easily could have gotten close to that 10 mark that Antonio Cromartie had as a cornerback uh, in 2007. So, if you're from Landon Collins' perspective, how exactly do you earn this number? Well, I think, first and foremost, as a, as a tackling machine that Landon Collins is, you got to have under over way over 100 tackles. I mean, we're possibly talking about, you know, flirting with the 120 mark, which would be a great sign for Landon Collins. I don't know what that would say about the run defense at the, you know, in the trenches, because I think of the safety is having 120 tackles, maybe just maybe the run defense in the trenches isn't doing what they're supposed to do. But I would think that you need to have close to 120 tackles and you got to have somewhere north of at least six or seven interceptions if you want to earn that number. I think it would be safe to say that we are probably going to see Landon Collins in the number 20 jersey for years to come. I don't think there's any real way that he's going to earn Sean Taylor's number. It's just too high of a mountain to climb, especially given the fact that no one really wants him to wear 21 anyway. I understand that that's your hero and you want to look up to him. I know plenty of basketball players did that with Jordan. They wanted to wear 23, but for Landon Collins, 21 is not the number for him Stay in the 20. It looks good on you. I saw the graphic. It looked good on him in the graphic. Just stay with number 20, and you should be good to go uh, for the the foreseeable future. For however you however you play here in Washington, rocking with number 20 should be the way to go. All right, rapid fire subject number two. We found out earlier uh, this week, maybe uh, towards the end of last week, Trent Williams is going to be okay after a scary health scare. Scary health scare? A health scare. Um, I didn't know Trent Williams had a health scare. I mean, I know he's had some injuries, but I read this article a little bit and I was perplexed. A tumor on his head? What? And I know it's not Trent Williams' job to kind of put this out there and say, hey, look, guys, like fans, I got I got something going on here. That's not his job. And he politely, he and the Redskins politely declined comment in the Rappaport article that I read about this. And the Rappaport article did say that Trent Williams is going to be fine or he should be fine. But damn, that's pretty scary. A tumor on the head? I mean, I don't personally, I don't want anyone to have tumors. Like I, tumors suck. I just don't have the power to take those away. But they suck. I really don't want a star franchise shifting left tackle of the Redskins, probably the best left tackle in the league, 
I would really prefer for him not to have a tumor on his head. However, it he should be good to go. So that's that's definitely a big positive. I really think the Redskins offensive line is stacking up to be a pretty solid unit. I think we're going to add a couple pieces in the draft and possibly uh, still kind of try and find that left guard if Eric Flowers isn't the answer there. But I think the Redskins' offensive line is stacking up to be a pretty darn good unit this year. Uh, So we really need Trent Williams. He is pretty crucial in this Redskins' offensive line uh, in terms of being a good unit. He is arguably the, the biggest thing that the Redskins need to be successful in that regard. So glad to hear that he's okay, but... That's scary. That's really, really scary. Okay, rapid fire subject number three. One of these days I'm going to get like this real sound, so it's actually going to sound like a real segment when we're doing rapid fire. That will come down the line. But rapid fire subject number three, the Reuben Foster situation going on here in D.C. Jay Gruden, Bruce Allen, and really everyone in the Redskins organization has expressed the desire to get this Reuben Foster situation figured out prior to the draft on the NFL side. So will they go? Are they going to be able to use Ruben Foster at all? They would like to know that from the NFL's perspective. So what are they going to do with this investigation that they're running on Ruben Foster? So here's what we know about the situation: Ruben Foster is a very good football player, and he is going to do very good things if he's on the field in a Redskins uniform. We also know he's not exactly the best person in the world, and he kind of has a track record to prove that he's not an awful person by any stretch of the imagination. But he's certainly not the uh, He's not going to be a face of a franchise type of guy. He's had multiple issues, uh, run-ins with the law for different sort of things, but most of which have been because of domestic violence, although a majority of the charges that he has had in domestic violence, a majority, if not all of them, have all been dropped. Now, I'm not going to dive deep into what that actually means about the situations that he's been involved in, but I'm looking at this purely from a football perspective. A majority of the charges, if not all the charges, have been dropped. So what is the realistic suspension that we can think of for Reuben Foster? Basing this off of what we saw with Ezekiel Elliott, and their situations are very similar because there was no video involved. That doesn't mean they're both innocent, but with no video involved, it does sort of limit the games that they should receive for a suspension. With Kareem Hunt getting eight games, everyone saw that video, right? I mean, I think at this point in the year, it's fair to say that everyone has seen the video of Kareem Hunt trucking someone into a girl and then kicking her as he left out of frame in the video. That kick was terrible, by the way. That, that, that's the real issue I had with the video because that was completely unnecessary. I mean, the trucking thing was bad too, but the kick, that kick was something different there. We don't have any of that with Reuben Foster. We don't have any of that. So is it fair to think that Reuben Foster could get less than eight games? I think it is. But I still think he's going to be around the six-game mark. I think that's a fair kind of judgment now to make, that the NFL is probably going to give him at least six games. If they go over the top with what they did with Kareem Hunt... I kind of have to question it at least a little bit. And I'm not supporting Reuben Foster in the domestic violence situation. But if he gets more of a suspension than Kareem Hunt did, what exactly did the NFL find that we don't know? And that's a, that's a real question that we would have to ask if that situation arises. And I would like to see the information that the, that the NFL found in their investigation of Reuben Foster that they felt they needed to give him more of a suspension than they gave to Kareem Hunt, who we saw the video of. Videos always make things worse. That doesn't make uh, that situation worse than a non-video situation, 
but from a, a person, um, a personnel perspective, a public relations perspective. That's what I'm looking for. From a public relations perspective, a video always makes it worse. Ruben Foster doesn't have a video, so I think it is plausible. Plausible. I'd say. 60-40 right now that we probably see Reuben Foster put on a Redskins uniform this season. Is he going to get booed? Probably. Probably. And I'm not going to I'm not going to knock anyone for booing Reuben Foster. I completely understand that. But we will probably see him in a Redskins uniform at some point this season. As for when, well that's that's up in the air. That's the NFL's job to figure out. And the final rapid-fire topic before we get into all of the quarterback stuff, uh, the Redskins are still very much in need of a wide receiver. They didn't really go after anybody in free agency, and I'm okay with that. They didn't have the money to mess around in that regard. But with the folding of the AAF, that presents an interesting option, or a few interesting options for the Redskins in terms of guys that they can target for a relatively cheap price. The one guy that I really wanted that the Redskins, I don't even know if they swung on, but they definitely missed on, was Rashad Ross. He'd played for us in the past. I'd always been a fan of him in the preseason. He did play a couple, he played 13 games for us in 2015. I was a fan of him when he was on the team. He had a really good run in the shortened season, if we can even call it a real season, of the AAF. Unfortunately, though, he was picked up uh, by another team. He's picked up by Carolina, so we don't get him. Charles Johnson from the Orlando Apollos is a guy that we could look at. He played for Minnesota in 2014. He had 687 yards, five touchdowns uh, this year in the AAF. In 2014 with Minnesota, he had 31 receptions, 475 yards, and two touchdowns. He's 6'2", 217 pounds, so he's a big guy that the Redskins could use in the red zone. I'm not looking for Charles Johnson or really anyone from the AAF to come in and be the number one receiver on the team, but it's nice to have another body and a big body at that with Charles Johnson that you can use in the red zone. And there's two other guys the Redskins have been looking at who are still free agents. Michael Crabtree kind of headlines the list. He would be a very interesting fit. Uh, Michael Crabtree does seem to have a lot of potential. I don't know if his potential has ever fully been maximized in the NFL. He's had a couple really good seasons. He had a really good season with Oakland. He had a couple really good seasons with San Francisco. But I still don't think his potential has ever been fully maximized, which sucks because he was great in college. Michael Crabtree at Texas Tech was awesome. It just never really panned out for him in the NFL. He could be a good guy that the Redskins can get at a cheap price. And they've also been hosting and visiting with Kenny Britt. And I swear, the Redskins have hosted and or visited in some some form or capacity uh, with, with Kenny Britt for like the past decade. I swear, there's always a rumor every single offseason that the Redskins are in some sort of talk with Kenny Britt. It never pans out to anything in any contract or situation. He's never come into camp or anything. So I don't understand why we still decide to talk to Kenny Britt now in 2019. He is by no means getting any younger. So I don't know why the Redskins are still talking with him. Right now, what I'm thinking is going to happen is the Redskins are going to target a wide receiver in probably the second or third round of the draft. And we're just going to utilize more trade. Trey Quinn. Look, I love Trey Quinn. I know a lot of people in the Hogshaven community love Trey Quinn. I think he's great. Utilize him a little bit more in the slot because that's kind of where this offense, uh, this offensive game is shifting in the NFL. You got to have a good slot guy. Trey Quinn has all of the intangibles to be a really good 
slot guy. Jay Gruden thinks he can dominate, and he's the guy that kind of puts the offense together. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to see a lot more of Trey Quinn and then maybe target a wide receiver in the draft. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. That kind of wraps up the whole rapid fire thing. Let me know your thoughts at Denton underscore Day on Twitter or in the comments down below on hogshaven.com. Quick break. On the other side, we are going to talk about the quarterback situation and why Josh Rosen still could very much end up in a Redskins jersey by the time week one starts. Okay, so the Redskins are still very much in the market for a quarterback. Is that surprising? Yes and no. I would have thought that after the Case Keenum deal went through, they would have kind of been done. After the Case Keenum deal went through, I thought it was fair to assume that the Cardinals didn't like what the Redskins were selling in their direction, so they didn't want to make this happen. It seems that that's not 100% the case as of right now, and Josh Rosen could still very much end up as a member of the Redskins by possibly the end of the draft. I guess that's the next big time the trades are going to happen. So right now what we know, this is reported by Chris Mortensen, that the Redskins are still doing their due diligence into the possibility of trading for Josh Rosen. It has been the worst kept secret in the NFL that Arizona is probably going to pick Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick. Now they could just throw a complete curveball and go with someone like Nick Bosa for number one and just throw this whole offseason into a complete mad madhouse. Probably not going to happen, though. They're probably going to go Kyler Murray. And you, not really a whole lot of reasoning to keep both Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen. Rosen doesn't really fit that sort of offense that the Arizona Cardinals would be running if they select Kyler Murray. So he could find a new home. The question is now, because they're doing their due diligence, what is the price for Josh Rosen? I have seen a ton of people that are completely fine with the Redskins giving up 15, the first overall pick we have this year, the first round pick, I should say, not the first overall, the first round pick the Redskins have, number 15. Plenty of people seem to be fine with giving up 15 for Josh Rosen. I am not one of those people. I would greatly prefer to keep 15 and use that either on an offensive lineman, on another edge rusher, on some something on defense, and then trade a second or a third round for Josh Rosen. Because I think that's more what he's worth. Not to say that he's a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but you have to look at this from a broader perspective. With the Redskins and what they've done this offseason, they traded already for another quarterback. There is no real point, no logical sense in trading for one quarterback to start the offseason and then proceeding to trade the 15th overall pick later in that same offseason for another quarterback. That just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Granted, Bruce Allen might be a little upset that Dave Gettleman has kind of taken uh, the number one overall spot in terms of stupid general managers, and Bruce Allen could want that spot back and trade the 15 pick, but they just shouldn't. Like It really comes down to that. They just shouldn't trade the 15th pick for a quarterback if they've already traded for a quarterback. Right now, they have three quarterbacks that are officially under contract with the possibility of a fourth one with Josh Johnson. Bruce Allen has stated that he wants to keep Josh Johnson around. In fact, he even stopped Josh Johnson from playing in the AAF this season. Now that, in hindsight, worked out very well for Josh Johnson. But that would mean bringing on another quarterback. That would be five quarterbacks that the Redskins have. 
And Alex Smith, of course, is not going to count towards the roster. I would assume the Redskins are just going to place him on injured reserve. So they're still going to have to pay him, but he's not going to count towards a roster spot, I would hope. But that's still four quarterbacks. You don't need four quarterbacks. And if you put one of them on the practice squad, they're going to get picked up. Josh Johnson could probably get picked up by some other team. And if you put Case Keenum on the practice squad or cut him or whatever, he's going to get picked up. He's not going to clear waivers. He's not going to be on the practice squad. That's just how that's going to roll. So trading 15 for Rosen doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Second or third round pick, though, that works. I'd be willing to give up a second or third round pick for a guy that I do kind of think fits Jay Gruden's offense really well and can succeed here in Washington. I'm just not comfortable giving up the 15th overall pick. And maybe, just maybe, the Redskins decide, we're not going to give up the 15th overall pick. We're going to go Drew Locke instead, who could be there. Miami could make a move at 13, but Drew Locke could still be there at 15. Still, I'm not 100% sold on Drew Locke as the guy moving forward. And after trading for a quarterback this offseason, we shouldn't use the 15th pick on another quarterback. I really can't stress that enough. I really can't stress that enough. If we're going to use the 15th pick on Drew Locke, that is one, essentially saying that Case Keenum trade was stupid. We jumped the gun. We might already think that already. That could already be the case. But it's also saying Alex Smith might not, not actually ever play again. If we are making a move with the 15th overall pick, either for Josh Rosen or for Drew Locke, we are essentially saying Alex Smith might actually never play again in the NFL. Because there's no point in having a guy like Rosen or having a guy like Locke play this season and then immediately take the back seat to Alex Smith. It would make more sense to do that to Drew Locke because he's a rookie, but you cannot trade for Josh Rosen have him be the guy this season, and then immediately take a backseat to Alex Smith. That is not going to go over well in any locker room. It just won't. Because then Josh Rosen would have started for two seasons. Two seasons. Would have started a full season in Arizona. Not a full season, but a majority of the season in Arizona. He would have started, likely, a majority of the season here, and then he would immediately take a backseat to a guy who hasn't played in a year. That is not going to go over well in any Locker room. I don't care how, how tight-knit a bond is between the guys. That's not going over well in any locker room. Quarterbacks want to play. So the 15th pick should be off limits, except for one scenario. This is not going to happen. I just need to, to stress that. This is not going to happen, but it is at least fun to bring up. Should the Redskins throw the kitchen sink at Seattle and trade for Russell Wilson? I know it's not going to happen. It's a crazy thing to even suggest. But should the Redskins throw the kitchen sink at Seattle and trade for Russell Wilson? Wilson set a, a faulty deadline of April 15th as to when he wants his contract extension. If you know anything about the NFL, we should know that faulty deadlines set by people that aren't actually the league generally don't turn out well for at least one party, possibly both parties that are involved in the situation. But we know that Russell Wilson is a hell of a quarterback, better than anything that the Redskins have had really in the last 20, maybe ever. I mean, we might we might go out, go ahead and say as an athlete, Russell Wilson might be the best quarterback that the Redskins would ever acquire. I'm not against the idea. I just don't think it'll happen. And they'd have to pay him so much money, so much so that they would essentially ruin the rest of their team. That's kind of the issue that Seattle is 
likely thinking about right now. If they pay Russell Wilson and make him the highest paid quarterback in the history of the game, you don't have enough money to do other things. That's what, that's kind of how the salary cap thing works here. So I don't think the Redskins are even going to to make a phone call about this. It's just something you have to bring up. It's a little bit of fantasy booking. You just think about it a little bit. It's kind of like a what-if situation. Is Russell Wilson going to play in the Redskins uniform? Probably not. Would I be ecstatic if he does? Probably. He's not going to, though, so we'll just kind of we'll pass that on. Rosen and Locke seem to be the top two options if the Redskins want to make a move at quarterback within the first or second round of the draft. I mean, there's some other guys that could uh, draft later on. I did see one mock draft that, t- that saw the Redskins taking Will Greer with 15. Get the hell out. We do we don't subscribe we don't subscribe to that nonsense. Will Greer, Will Greer, good quarterback, not a first round quarterback. That's a guy they could get probably in the third round. So we're looking at Rosen and Locke. Let me know who you think that the Redskins is going to make a move after. Let me know who you would rather have. I think of the two, I'd go with Rosen, but I still don't think we would give up 15 for him. I think that would be a bad decision. Let me know on Twitter at den underscore day and let me know down below in the comments on hogshaven.com. That's going to wrap it up uh, for me this week. We'll start to start to really pick things up uh, again as we get closer to the draft. So I'll see y'all when I see you.